will give away and take an advantage. Sean Hundle with a piece of history. The gift given, Sean Hundle, the first goal scorer in Vancouver FC club history. Stays on it, right for side, good way up. What a goal! Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Hello, and welcome to the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. I, of course, I am, of course, Christian Jack. Week two in the Canadian Premier League is in the books, completing what was a marathon of a week for all CPL clubs that saw them play three games, of course, with the Canadian Championship games sandwiched in the middle. It was a weekend with a lot of parity and a lot of close outcomes as well. Three draws, in fact, all 1-1, and another game that was close to being 1-1 ended in the way of a victory for Vancouver Football Club, who not only picked up their first win of their existence, but also the only week of week two. Uh, the only win of week two. Results board this week looks at this way. York United won Vancouver FC 2. Sean Hundal and Gal Sandoval from the spot. Two goals inside the first 20 minutes in that one. Marky Wojciechowski scored in the 35th minute, but wasn't enough as back-to-back -back home losses for York United to start 2022 is not ideal. Forge FC won. Halifax Wanderers won. Another late goal from Forge and another equalizer. Wubens Passius in the 89th minute. Massimo Ferran in the fourth. 42nd and put Halifax on the path to victory. Valor won, Atletico Ottawa won, another early goal in that one. Diego Gutierrez after three minutes and Johnny Dos Santos equalized after 32. And on Sunday, in the rematch from Thursday's CanChamp game, Pacific FC won, Cavalry won, that ended the same scoreline. This time, a Gazdov own goal and a Josh Hurd goal that he knew very little about. We'll get into that later, of course, with our man on the spot, Alex Ganguruzic. We start our newsroom recap with some real history. So let's bring in Charlie O'Connor-Clark, our very own correspondent, to break this one down for us. Charlie, you were on site to witness it. I think fittingly that you were there, to be <laughs> honest. What a day for Vancouver Football Club. Their first win... First winning a first goal as well, and they get both landmarks in the same game. Same game overall. What number out of ten would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor and why? As the uh, self-appointed arbiter of high standards, I think I'm still going to go with a seven point five. Okay, game. nice. Uh, again, we have to we have to be uh, be careful before uh, ranking things too high early in the season. But it was it was a fun game and obviously a really important moment for Vancouver. You could tell, and I think the players were pretty open with this after the game, that it was in danger of becoming a distraction if they hadn't got on the board or, or got a, a win out of the way. Um, so I think that's a really important moment uh, for the club. They played very well. They, you know, they, they didn't really waste any time getting on the board. They were very disappointed with how they started on Wednesday in the CanChamp against York. So to score twice in the first 20 minutes really turns that on its head. Mm -hmm. And then really just bending and not breaking for the the final half of the game york kind of obviously the the protagonists in the second half as you'd expect a team that's down a goal to be but vancouver were really good at you know keeping them out of the properly dangerous areas keeping the shots to the perimeter and and really this was a at at, at the end of it it felt like a a pretty deserving win for an expansion club that's still trying to build out what it really is on the pitch yeah, an interesting week, no, not, not, not the least. Obviously, the narrow loss last week to Pacific in the first ever game. They come to Ontario, they played the Canadian Championship game where they weren't great, but in the outcome, they probably knew that they were um, hard done by with a 1-0 goal that was, was was very questionable with a penalty. I, I want to give Callum Irvin and Ashvin Gottby, their coach, a goalkeeper captain, a lot of credit for the way that they reacted to that game in midweek because I think they could easily have gone up and said, oh, we were hard done by, should never have lost this game, da, da, da. but they they looked within and they looked why they weren't at their best to score in that goal. And I think that was probably the message heading into the next few days. And they certainly came out without feeling sorry for themselves. And I think that made a difference. I'm going to get a little bit more into Vancouver with you in a second, but before we do that, let's go back to York Line Stadium and listen to the aforementioned Ashvin Gottby, whose comments were very, very exciting and encouraging after their first ever victory. 
It's a very emotional moment for our players, staff, and I think the club. Uh, it was weighing on their shoulders for a while now because um, the discussions was always about who's going to score the first goal, when is going to be the first victory, and I'm hoping to get that out of the way because I think then we can play with uh, better concentration and, and, and better football. I, I felt it was a wonderful game and a, 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 a very close game, so it was a very exciting, I'm sure, uh, for all the fans that watched it at home. It really was a wide open game of football. For those who didn't see it, uh, a torrential downpour uh, earlier on before the game started, which probably set the standards for it to be played quite quickly uh, during the game. Um, but so, what do we know now? They were able to hold on here. What's impressed you the most about this team so far, Charlie? And do we already starting to see some foundations of, uh, of identity laid out by this club? I think we're starting to. I think this looks like a very resilient Vancouver team. Uh, I mean, you mentioned how wide open the game was. That's impressive considering, you know, eight players started all three games in a week for Vancouver. And I think it was seven for York as well. So not necessarily uh, what you would expect from a, a game like that, especially when teams have just played each other. But yeah, this Vancouver team seems to be starting with the the right things. You know, when you're a team that's just building out a squad, you want to start by building a foundation, a defensive structure, a, a well-organized unit, and you try to find the ways that you can hit a team, that kind of attacking identity always comes later. I think we've seen with teams, we saw it maybe with Ottawa last year and other teams in the CPL, that the number one thing that you can start with, especially when you're a coach just taking over a club, is getting that structure in, in place. Uh, this team seemed to be very good at, at taking away space from York in midfield. They were marking quite tightly a lot of the game. Uh, and they're very, very difficult to beat, especially in the air. They've got some real size at mm -hmm. center back there. They've got some real strength with guys like Ibrahim Bakary and, and Rocco Romeo. Uh, so I think that they are going to be a very difficult team to play against. And I think we'll we'll start to see them you know, maybe still play around with that front line a little bit and see where the danger areas are, which players are best suited playing next to which other players. Uh, but I think the, the early signs of this club's kind of back maybe six players is is pretty impressive so far yeah the defensive structure is impressive no no doubt about it um some love for Bakary in the chat obviously the Englishman he'll be named in the team of the week this week on, and Rocco Romeo was very good as well uh Charlie going to get into some of the players that you really like next in our third of five burning questions for this game but before we do let's go back to York Lions Stadium and hear from the man who will always be the history maker here's Sean Hundell it's always nice to score, you know. Um, I've been doing it my whole career because I've been a striker. So uh, this one was a little—it meant a little bit more, you know, because I'm—it's I'm, history, being the first goal scorer. I know I, I grew up uh, being coached by Danny Dicchio, and every time I go to the game, they sing a song for him. So I get goosebumps every time I hear it. And you know, I've, I've grew up looking up to him, and you know, for me to do it in a, a club in Vancouver, especially doing it back home in Toronto, feels really good. Really, really happy for that young man. He obviously played under Danny Dicchio at Toronto FC Academy, saw what it was like for the first goal scorer at a club, and it comes full circle for Sean Undal, who had been taken off midweek, by the way, and had a difficult night talking to the coaching staff in the in the in the uh, in the tunnel at York Lions, and then three days later, that's football, right? He gets the goal, and he's he's the history maker forever. Uh, I'm sure he's one of them, Charlie. But time for your list of greats. Which players stood out above the normal threshold where you feel like they need to mention? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Sean, Sean Hundell is always going to be a, a trivia question now. But I think I think for me, the most impressive Vancouver player was actually Gabby Batar, who I think he he created four chances. He's playing further up the pitch than he did in the prior two games for, for Vancouver. He was you know a bit of a midfielder before, as he was for most of last season with Edmonton. But now he's getting a bit more of a chance to attack. You see on the play that leads to winning the penalty. Not only does he win the penalty by making that run and getting taken out by the goalkeeper, but he kind of starts the play. He takes a pass very deep from Caden Chung and he really drives it towards the middle and he, and he plays off with, I think, Gael Sandoval, uh, which is a nice little little interchange. And, you know, Chung himself was also very good in this game. I think there, there are so many players on this Vancouver side I could actually mention mm. from this game. Um, maybe one last quick shout out to, to Rocco Romeo, who I think had like eight clearances or something in this game. York had tons of corners at the end of the game and, and he wasn't really letting any of them go through him.
Yeah, fantastic week for them. Uh, in total, there'll be five players in the team of the week this week uh, from Vancouver Football Club. So that's very impressive. You mentioned Gabriel Batar, a tremendous season last year for FC Edmonton and is really starting to take his game to another level. And when he became available, I know he was certainly one of the first names out of the recruitment staff at the new club and already looks like the leader of their attack. After the game, he caught up with our very own Charlie O'Connor-Clark. Joined in the rain by Gabby Batar on the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Gabby... You guys are on the board, on the board. First goals, first win. It's got to be a, a good vibe all around for you guys. Yeah, the first one's always the hardest after last week as well. It was tough losing to Pacific, you know, a rival, that first rivalry game. But, um, yeah, I know the team was locked in today. We had a very good week of training, and we got the result. I know that you guys were a little disappointed with the way that you started on Wednesday here on this, this same pitch. You know, two goals in, like, the first 20 minutes. You can't ask for a much better start than that, right? Yeah, no, that was the motivation and the fuel that we needed really to carry on, carry on for the rest of the game. And I think the players that came off the bench did really well to keep that momentum for us. And so, yeah, this is a really big team win for us. Hey, you mentioned the players that came off the bench. You were there the whole time on the pitch. It looked like a, a bit of a grind at the end there. You guys had to weather some pressure. Just talk to me about that defensive effort that you guys are, are kind of building for the first three games. Yeah, no, I mean, like, whenever you're up in a game in last minutes, you know, you're going to be taking pressure. And so I think we did really well. Our back four did amazing defending every cross that they have. I think they had like 20 crosses at the end of the game, and we did really well defending those. And, I mean, you can't ask for much, really much more from the back line. So, yeah. Uh, you yourself, you're playing a little bit more further forward in this game out in the wing there. Uh, it pays off pretty well. You get, you win that penalty. That's a, a pretty good ball in for you as well. Just yeah. talked a bit about uh, maybe the, the different roles that you're sort of trying out here under Afshin Gopi. Yeah, I know Afshin's a... He's a brilliant mind. He, um, he's really pushing me to play in a lot of different spaces where I didn't feel comfortable at first, but now getting the hang of it. And uh, yeah, no, playing further up the field was really, was really my strength from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, getting those balls in those dangerous areas is where I'm really, where I control myself. Yeah, I mean, you've spoken about it before. You only really started playing midfield in Edmonton last year. Yeah. Right. Uh, but now it's just in your toolbox anyway. Mm -hmm. um, getting that opportunity to come play for this club, for Vancouver, after, after you know, a difficult year in Edmonton last mm -hmm. year, you got to be you know, pretty happy that you're able to still be in the program contributing, right? Yeah, of course. It was uh, when the opportunity came around and when they hired Afshin, it was a no-brainer. I mean, mm -hmm. this club really, they really, their front office really backs their players and they're really pushing for us to have a great season. Even though we're, it's our first year, we, we're striving to win the championship. Absolutely. So up next for you guys, you're back home, but then you have to fly all the way back out to Halifax yeah. next weekend. Yeah. But uh, now that you've got that first one out of the way, do you think there's maybe a little bit of pressure off you guys? You can play a little freer? Yeah, for sure. The stress is gone. I mean, like I said earlier, the first one's the hardest, and coach has been telling us once we get the first one, the rest will come, and we just got to trust that process. Absolutely. Gabby Batar, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Great interview with a great player, standout performer so far. The only non-defender for Vancouver Football Club that has played 180 minutes through two CPL games so far for that team. And boy, as he as he delivered. Uh, all right, let's get to York United. Before we hear from Charlie, I want to play a little bit of a clip from there in a second. But these are difficult times on the pitch for this team. Uh, obviously, Roger Thompson is hurt. His, his centre-back partner, Tazmuda Kudis, is hurt. Elijah Adekubi hasn't seen the pitch yet. Neither has Michael Petrasso. They had injuries already. Jeremy Gagnon Lapare got hurt in the cup. And then obviously we saw Clement Bahia get taken off in this game. That's a long list of injuries already two games in. Despite that, and despite the loss, there was still some positive news from Martin Nash after this one. Oh, we'll hear from Martin Nash in a second. We'll get that clip going. But Charlie, let's hear from you then on this game. If... Martin Nash believes that there's still a lot of positivity there. What did you think in terms of that? Uh, I think that there were there were definitely positive things towards the end of this game. I mean, at the end of the day, you go down 2-0 in the first 20 minutes, and it's always going to be a hole to dig yourself out of. Um, York kind of had a, a difficult setup to begin with in this game. He, uh, you know, Mar Mobabuli had to play as, as essentially an eight in a double pivot next to, to Matthew Baldissimo in this game, which... You know, Mobabuli is one of the best players in the league, but he's absolutely not a central midfielder, right? Uh, he he gets very deep, and, and really, he it, it's kind of errors from from him that lead to both of the goals in a way, because obviously, you know, he has his pocket picked by Handal for the first goal, and then I think yep. it's him it's him that's dispossessed by Caden Chung, uh, fifteen minutes later for the second Vancouver goal. He did grow into the game a lot. I think he ended up with like five chances created or something like that. Um, and York definitely 
got into the final third well in the second half. Uh, I, I think that the finishing is is a bit of a problem again, which it was early in the season last year. I think Di Rosario had six shots and wasn't able to put any of them, them in the net. And I think the longer that you go without any of these going in, is it becomes a little bit more of a of a problem and a, a mental you know block for a team. So you you'd want to see them put one or two in the net, uh, just maybe early in the next game in Ottawa next weekend. But uh, it's, it's kind of a shame in a way that, that overshadowed by, uh, by Vancouver's big day is, is Marky Wojciechowski's first professional goal. It's a big moment for him and, and impressive for him to come off the bench in this game uh, quite early and, and do very well to put the ball in the net not long after coming in. But uh, other than that, I think, yeah, there's, there's certainly you know something that's not – the ball's just not going in for York at the moment. No, it's not. And it's a top-heavy roster, right? When you think about the amount of attackers that are available to them, it's a shame that like all, all the, the entire storyline of this team coming into the season was Babuli and Di Rosario and the connection between the two. And then suddenly, because of the injury problems, Babuli's playing almost as a six. And if he's not playing as a six, he's playing as an eight. And the, you haven't got that brain in the final third, right? And then suddenly you rely on Alou, who looks good, but obviously is... is is, is new to the whole thing. Kevin Dos Santos hasn't really played much at the moment. Brian Wright and Di Rosario, kind of similar players running same lines. It's difficult to see how they can combine together so far. Um, anyway, let's listen to uh, some reaction. Here is Martin Nash after this. Other than the, the, the two gifts, I thought we did a lot of good today. Um, create a lot of chances, caused them a lot of problems. Uh, they were only really dangerous in transition when we gave the ball away. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much we can do. We don't have a lot of uh, other options than what we had today. And, uh, you know, it's tough when your best player kind of gifts them a goal to start and probably should have been up 1-0 already. And then had two glorious chances that we didn't finish and then gift him another one. So it wasn't a great start. It wasn't a great first 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was. But uh, a lot of good to take away. It's just sour feelings at the moment. Say disconsolate Martin Nash with more reaction. Let's listen to Max Ferrari, who's asked to play as a fullback in this one. I think everyone's disappointed, especially um, we did to ourselves first 15 minutes. I think we can all agree that we came out flat. And yeah, I think obviously we're disappointed about that, but I think I'm most disappointed about there was definitely something left in that game. And after that, I thought we were good. We reacted really well, scoring a goal right before half. Uh, sparked us and I think yeah we, we we definitely there was goals left in that second half okay Charlie before we let you go the fifth question of the five what's next for these two in week three of the CPL well uh sticking with York they're on their first road first road trip, trip of the year excuse me they're out to Ottawa to play Atletico a team that you know they played quite well at last year uh and sometimes for a team in a place like York you need a, a bit of a road trip early in the year for the team to come together uh, so so maybe we'll see about that. Vancouver have another tough one, a tough flight all the way across the country to Halifax for that team's home opener. Uh, but as as uh, Gabby Batar and me kind of alluded to, the season really for them starts now that they've got those boxes ticked. They've got that first win, that first goal. So we'll see if they play a little bit freer in that, that very difficult road trip to what I'm sure will be a bumping launderer's grounds. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Uh, thanks for this, Charlie. We'll hear from you later in the show as we're joined with you with you and Sean Hundle. Great work on the weekend. And as ever, read Charlie's pieces at campl.ca. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. Uh, from York, we stay in Ontario and we move to Hamilton and we say hello to our correspondent, Benedict Rhodes, who was at Tim Hortons Field for this one as Forge took on Halifax Wanderers. Uh, Benny, overall, what number out of 10 would you give this one in the contest of terms of compelling factor and why? Um, I think for a six and a half, I think the game had a lot of, of storylines. You know, the two former Ontario coaches against each other. Um, that was an exciting matchup, and uh, on the field, I don't think it disappointed. You know, as you said, Massimo Fair, fantastic goal late in the first half, give Halifax the lead. It looks for most of this game, like gonna take the three points from Tim Horton. Um, but just the game, you know, Forge were able to. To find a late equalizer and 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 tied up a one-one and uh, think throughout the game they maybe wish they had taken better advantage of their, their opportunities and and probably shouldn't have have settled for one point but uh, you know I think I think ultimately both teams did deserve a point in this, this game. Yeah, a really good game, a good open game of football that was obviously dominated coming in by the storylines of Bobby Smirniotis and Patrice Geyser. Obviously, their connections back to 
League One and obviously in lower leagues of football with Sigma and uh, Vaughn and the ability that one day I think Patrice would love to build a club at the CPL level, much like Bobby has at Forge. And within those trademarks of what Forge do is the ability to always believe they can get back in it. And they found a way, right? They found a way to get back in it. I thought Abubakar Sissoko was really good on the day. And in the end, the ball hit Wubens Pasias that didn't really know much about him, I don't think, uh, in terms of what he knew what he was doing there. But he got the goal, Johnny on the spot, so to speak. Um, more on Forge in a second, but Benny, last week you were really encouraged by Halifax when you did their game in the nation's capital. They got a 1-1 draw away from home that day too uh, against Atletico Ottawa. Their ability to play the football, keep the ball on the ground the way that they want, they already looked like they belonged. No? Like, what has impressed you so far about this team? Yeah, like you said, they, they look like they belong. They, they've they really bought in and think to what Patrice Geyser has been, been asking of them. I think uh, you know, he, he said in all of his press conferences so far and in some interviews preseason that you know, he's he's not afraid to play the football that he wants to play and, and keep keep pushing and keep working at it until they perfect it. Um, I think any any coach in this league who who is committed to doing that home or away uh, is always going to be an exciting one. And and um, you know his, his team has shown that so far. They've been they've been able to press. They've been able to attack. And and they've 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 probably deserved maybe more than the two points they've had so far. You know, when you think about it, they've been to the two champs, right? They went to the regular season champs and then the North Star Shield champs. They took the lead in both uh, and very, very really, I suppose, easily could have got a victory in either of those games. But they didn't. It's still two points from two before they go back home. Here's some reaction after this one from Patrice. I've never been a guy ever, and I never will be, to say, if you're winning one nothing, win the game one nothing. I think what we need to do is be better with the ball, keep the ball, and score the second goal to kill the game. So those things take time, those things take chemistry, and um, there's improvement, and this has been an exhausting week, being away from Halifax for nine days, playing three games against top teams and two being the same, but um, it's all positive signs for me, and sometimes even when you're let down like that, it leads us having a problem and fixing it. So as the season goes, we grow, rather than if we won that game, I think that would give us a false hope that we're amazing, because I still don't think we were great the second half. Really, really insightful. You know, a really insightful comment. I'm glad we played that clip because it was almost like Patrice Geiser wouldn't want them not to win, uh, but it's almost like he that was what he felt like they deserved and they didn't want to get too far ahead of themselves. Um, as for Forge, that's now two CPL games they played, trailed in both, trailed three times, but have recovered all three times. Janssen, Borges were both rested, which is unusual. Becker still not ready to be played uh, physically yet. Heading into this, we probably would have expected the three points to be the only result that anyone would have been happy with. But in the manner the game went, Benny, uh, did it almost feel like a win and a bit of a relief for them to at least get out of this without losing? I think so. I think you know they 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 had so many chances in the first half, especially where they they probably should have won this game. They saw Noah Jensen there hit the crossbar in the first couple minutes of the game. Uh, There's a couple of chances in the middle of the half where. You know, Forge were on the front foot. They could have scored maybe four or five, like the, the way they were dominating possession and and dominating the chances. And um, so I think ultimately, you know, they'll be, they'll be happy with getting at least something from the game. I think they'll, they'll be happy, but they'll be, you know, satisfied knowing that they, they probably could have and maybe should have uh, had, had zero points in this game. Yeah, look, heading into this season when there's a lot of games to play right in the first week, there's a lot of models of play that these coaches work on heading in, right? Fitness, make sure they're getting used to the new team rates, camaraderie, tactics. The last thing that really comes is the hardest thing to do in the sport. And with more on that, here's Bobby Smidiotis after this game. We need to be a little bit more clinical in that final third. You know, we've we've got a lot of the ball. We've got a lot of opportunities. It's not just the possession to possess. We've gotten in behind them in a lot of uh, situations. Um, we're in the final third. We're in their penalty box. Um, you got to be clinical, and you know I give credit to the guys. We kept on going, and you know that's where the, that's where the goal comes from. It comes from all the processes uh, of our play. You know we knew that uh, they'd want to look at uh, some counterattacking opportunities or, or quick switches of play. Um, we controlled that for the most part, but uh, you know they got us on one time in the first half, and I think when uh, a team like them or any team gets one goal, it gives them uh, the comfort of uh, trying to hold on um, from there. So, you know, we just got to be a little bit more clinical in that final third. Saying that, and I think it was the third minute of the game, uh, Noah Jensen's hit the crossbar. You know, those moments change a lot in, the, in these types of matches. 
and you have a feeling that with the players that they have, that that's, that the clinicalness will come back, no doubt about it. Last year, obviously, 47 goals their most ever in a season, 46 goals inside the box. I mean, that was an incredible record as well in all competitions. Um, and remember this stat too for Forge. 38 wins, five draws, and one loss when they score two goals or more in a game. So you had a feeling if they got another one, they definitely would have made that 39 wins. All right, Benny, time for the list of your greats. Which players stood out the most in this one for you? Um, and Massimo Farron, I think, was the main one for Halifax. He, he had the opening goal in the first half. He he looked sharp uh, throughout this game. Busted to Mateo as well, put an incredible diagonal pass to, to Farron on that goal. Uh, also on that goal and making his 100th appearance for Halifax was Andre Rampersad. He was, he was struck midfield. Uh, sort of a new look midfield for Halifax, but he's been that constant presence for the past few years, and, and he's, he's been very good in these first few games of the season. And uh, for Forge, I think it was, it was Taron Campbell off the bench. I thought he was fantastic. He, he played a big part in their goal, and, and you know, he'll be crucial if, if Forge are to start putting some of the chances in the back of the net. Let's talk a little bit about Rampersad. What what a club legend he's already become. You know, the first captain, the first real player that came along anyway for Stephen Hart, the one in the one that plucked him from semi-pro football. Now 100 appearances for the place that he calls home that has led to international call-ups. That's what the CPL is all about as well. Uh, just a fantastic leader. And you talk to any teammate, they've got nothing but great things to say about the man they know as Rampy. Uh, here's some reaction from him after this one. Here's the Halifax skipper. Yeah, like I can't say it enough, you know, Halifax definitely changed my life to go on a deeper level, um, you know, come out of a second division, got an opportunity and all I wanted to do was, was make the people of Halifax happy because they gave me an opportunity of a lifetime, any kid would want it, right? And you see now a lot of younger guys uh, coming into the league and making statements as you see Massimo Ferran today, he is that guy and as the caption said, you know, um, and I think I'm delighted for the, the younger guys coming in the league and, and making an example. All right, Benny, what's next for these two? As you guys sort of touched on Halifax going back home, first home game of the season at the Wanderers grounds. It's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, they're one of the loudest stadiums in the league, and it'll always be exciting to see them against the new expansion team, Vancouver FC. Uh, that'll be a great occasion. And then Forge heading to the other coast uh, to take on Pacific FC at Starlight Stadium on Sunday, I believe. So that'll be a good one as well between the uh, two 2021 finalists. Two fantastic games to look forward to in week three. Benny, we thank you for your time, and we'll speak to you next week. Appreciate you. Uh, we continue here on the in Sunday's triple header and to Winnipeg Manitoba we go for the Tony Bet match of the week uh, for that we bring in our own Mitchell Tierney who was reporters this one Valor FC kicks off their home part of the season Mitch and I what, what I thought was a pretty compelling 1-1 game overall what did you give it in terms of the number out of 10 for the compelling factor and why I'll probably uh, go with the standard Benny set for 1-1 draws in a, a six and a half. Um, I think it was a similar match to, you know, the the Forge-Halifax game in terms of quality. But, you know, one thing that I'll definitely mention, and um, we just talked about Halifax, who are a much improved side. Valor, a significantly more fun side to watch this year, I think. I think they have more attacking invention, especially, you know, out wide between uh, Pacific Nyongabire and Kian Williams. Uh, lots of like there, the fullbacks as well. I'm sure we'll talk more about and um, for Ottawa, a, a lovely goal, as you just saw on the YouTube from uh, Gianni Dos Santos, who's a player who's really uh, settled in very well there. So um, I think uh, I think a match where both sides, you know, could make an argument that they deserve more than a draw. Both sides had had good chances to, to win the match late. But overall, I think a, a draw, a fairly good result. And, you know, two sides who, um, you know, are undefeated to, to start the season. Yeah, two sides that I think looked pretty tired by the end of it. And that's a bit of a familiar theme throughout the weekend with, obviously, as we mentioned, five months off and then three games in seven or eight days for a lot of these teams. And hopefully that's the first and last time we hear that um, in, across the Canadian soccer culture and so Canadian soccer scheduling the future for player welfare. A lot of players getting hurt, not necessarily because of it. We're not blaming anybody, but it'd just be ideal to have a little bit more of a time uh, to get that in. Uh, there was some standout players, though, Mitch. Let's go to your second burning question time for your greats uh which player stood out truly for you above the above the rest in this one well you mentioned uh, an injury or some injuries this week one of the big ones obviously for for valor being raf oheen who's out in the midfield but with him out uh, diego gutierrez um wearing the armband for the home opener for valor you know he had an outstanding performance a player who um phil dos santos said in his post game remarks you know he talked to him um 
mid or after the season uh, last year about becoming a more visible player. He said he was he wasn't bad. He's a great player, but he, he you know he was one of those guys who's invisible. Does the little things, the the passes um, that you don't necessarily notice in the buildup. Um, you know the defensive shielding in front of the back line. Now with Dante Campbell here, he's allowed to push a little bit more forward. And you know he had four shot attempts in the first game. Um, was making back post runs, you know, that goal, he's not in that position, I don't think, last season. Um, If, you know, well, he he just isn't because he couldn't afford to be. Um, You know, they they needed that defensive shielding from him. Now they have Campbell there. Um, So I thought he was really outstanding and and still does the things he's usually good at, you know, above 90% passing for the second game. So a lot to like about his performance. Um, Matteo de Brienne, another player who's adjusting to a fullback position. Um, and a guy who kind of reminds me a little bit, it's a lofty comparison, but of Alistair Johnson. You know, he's a he's a shorter um, player, so not necessarily, you know, the greatest at defending in the air, but on the ground, an incredible 1v1 defender, you know, against a, a very good John on the LSC. He won seven of his eight duels, recovered possession 16 times. Um, in this match, so a lot to like about his transition to to that position, and again, could have scored a, a goal of the season candidate if if that volley um, finds the back of the net. It was and, close. It yeah, was really it was close. very close. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on the Ottawa side, Diego Espejo, um, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the in the CPL for a reason, and um, he got beat on that early header by Gutierrez, and then I don't think he got beat again over ninety minutes. Uh, was perfect in aerial duels. Um, 12 clearances, you know, this is a guy who once again is, is colossal for Ottawa at the back. Yeah, just class. Uh, all players you mentioned will be named in the team of the week. And I don't even know if Espeo should have really been beaten on that header. Anyway, it probably wasn't his header. I think he ended up going for it because the midfielder, as I said on one soccer, the midfielder probably didn't track him enough. Um, but yeah, just he's just fantastic to watch. Uh, all great names that you mentioned as usual. Um, Let's hear about. Let's go back though and hear from the captain Diego Gutierrez. And before we play the clip, I want to say this: I, I think he's a very elegant player. But without Andrew Jean Baptiste, I also think he's starting to become a terrific leader as well. Let's hear from the captain. I feel good. I feel uh, the coach uh, uh, speak about that position for this year because Heragia is more uh, behind the is with the with the center back. But now can I go more forward? And today we see the the result because I can score more. I can I can touch the area, the danger area more. So it's good. In the end, a massive goal because what happened in scoring in three minutes was that suddenly Valor able to play without thinking about TSS Rovers and the midweek, uh, you know, awful performance and dis- disappointing result that they had getting knocked out of the Canadian Championship. Uh, before we hear from Mitch on the team in general, let's hear from Phil DeSantos and his thoughts after this one. Yeah, I think the team responded well. You know, character. Um, they were, apart from those 20, 25 minutes in, in, in the first half, we didn't. There was, uh, I think, Janiel Assi, a great chance for Ottawa in, the, in this, that first half. Uh, where, when it happened, I said, finally, a bit of luck for us, you know. Um, but that's the game, right? Uh, I think the guys came in tonight and they wanted to win. They, they fought. They. Um, they competed. Um, we have a, we have a good team. We have a good team, and we have a good group of guys. And I, you know, I have to highlight that because it's easy when things get hard to uh, to find excuses, and and we we don't. Our locker room doesn't, and we won't. And we could mention that there's a challenge, but we won't use that as an excuse. Um, I think that. This is a group that's going to fight, and, and this is what we want from, from them, and they've embraced that. Mentioned not mentioning in the excuses, they also have injuries, key ones as well, the likes of Jean-Baptiste, Raph Oheen, Jordan Haynes, amongst others. Um, but you talked about it being an entertaining team, Mitch. Um, some of the players that caught your eye, what do you like about this team now this year? Yeah, again, uh, I really like, especially at home on, you know, a big IG field, they're able to use that width very, very well. Um, Andy Beccaro, another guy who, you know, could have been very well mentioned in my great section, um, who's been excellent for them to start the season, getting forward down that side and combining very well with uh, Pacific Nyongabire. Um, You know, on the other side, the the combination play between Debrienne and uh, Kian Williams has been very, very good. Um, So, been liking both of that. 
Um, and I think they have more in the middle this year as well. Um, I think Novak's been very good at, at his holdup play, but now with Gutierrez, um, they have an attacking threat through the middle. Um, so, you know, on all three of those sides, they can, you know, kind of shift the ball from side to side. And again, um, when you have a pitch that that's, that's that big, that's always going to help them out. So yeah, there's a lot to like, I think about, uh, about the team so far this season. And, uh, you know, Phil DeSanto said it, he wants this side to take responsibility um, for the way they play at home um, and for, you know, really building the Valor fan support and um, the success that, that this club has. And yeah, I thought, uh, you know, that was a, that was a very promising home opener from Valor. Yeah. Valor, of course, had played in three different stadiums inside the week, much like Halifax. The other team to do that was Atletico Ottawa. Here's their boss, Carlos Gonzalez. I think that although we, we receive uh, an early goal, the team respond well, how you said it. And, uh, we showed uh, personality, we showed uh, uh, good moments of football in the first half. I think that we have clear chances uh, going through the flanks and, and we were bearing the hold of the, of the first half. I think, uh, yes, it's true that in the second half the, the game was a little bit more equal. They had their, their chances and, and at the end of the day, in a long week, uh, a hard week with two travels, I think that we can say that this point is valuable. Valuable uh, back-to-back 1-1 draws, though, to start the season for the regular season champs. But a mark of champions like Forge Mitch is not to lose when you do not play well. Uh, that's what certainly Carlos Gonzalez was referring to there. Maybe a little bit fortunate with a goal that Yesley perhaps should have saved. Uh, but Johnny DeSantos was there to connect with Malcolm Shaw. That connection, one of a number of things that you liked about in your analysis. Yeah, I, I think there is uh, there are some positives here, probably more positives than negatives, certainly, despite the fact that they haven't won yet. Um, this season, um, I think the biggest one is, you know, they had just three points last year um, from losing positions and they already have two uh, in the league and then, you know, picked up their first win under Carlos Gonzalez from behind midweek. Um, so there's a lot to like about that. And I also like when they equalized, it wasn't just like they sat back again. They actually took it to Valor for, for a stretch. Um, and with guys like Verhoeven now in the midfield, you know, I don't think that's Acosta's best position, but he's someone who operates well there. Um, I think that there's there's a lot to like in, you know, the the ways they're able to to possess the ball now. Um, you know, I, like you said, the connection between Sean DeSantos is is a good one. There's still a little bit an attack that needs to be um, worked out. You know, they got into good positions and then weren't necessarily um, maybe confident or assured enough to to do what they needed to do to turn those into to grade A chances. I think they need to get Sam Salter going. That's a that's a big mm-hmm. one as well. Um, but overall, I think there's there's a lot to like for them. Obviously, you know, you don't want to be conceding the first goal in matches. That's something they did very good last season was scoring first. So that's that remains a concern. But um, overall, in a, in a busy week, I think uh, it's a solid enough start to the season for Ottawa. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, for some more reaction, it was a decent week, though, for Johnny DeSantos. Great ball in to get that key equalizer for Malcolm Shaw and the equalizer that led to a 3-1 win in Canchamp against Halifax Wanderers midweek. And then he was involved in the scoring. Let's hear from him after this. Yeah, I think we're doing a good job. Uh, of course, it's still early beginning of the season, but uh, we're working towards that. So I have no doubt that uh, along the season, it's gonna we're going to be good in the, in the boxes and finish all the chances because we're getting there. That's the most important thing. Now only the, the only thing is to finish it. Okay, Mitch, last question in 30 seconds or less. What catches your eye with what these two teams have next? Yeah, Ottawa obviously still looking for their first win. They host uh, a York United side that uh, are struggling a little bit. So a good opportunity there probably for, for Ottawa. And then Valor, uh, they travel to, to Calgary um, for Calgary's 2023 home opener. And um, we know how good the Cavs are at home. Uh, you know, they're the only team that uh, beat Valor three times last season. And um, Valor's only ever won once at, uh, at Cofield. So if you want to really make a statement in your Valor, it's a good opportunity to do so and, you know, maybe show that progression of the club. Yeah, definitely. That one win, though, was under Phil DeSantos in his first trip there when they got four goals and shocked everybody in that crazy game. Uh, Mitch, we appreciate you. Thanks again. We'll speak to you next week. Uh, last but not least, we head out west for the second matchup in a week. That's right, second matchup in four days, in fact, between Pacific FC and Calvary FC. Thursday ended 1-1 and went to penalties. Sunday ended 1-1 and one point each went to the standings. Our man Alex Ganguruzic was there as usual for us. We welcoming him in. AGR, great to see you. Thanks for your time overall. 
What number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of compelling compelling factor and why? What did you like? Yeah, I mean, in, in the end, I'm going to go a bit low with the score. Just it ended up being a five for me. Given the history of these two teams, I was expecting a bit more fireworks, but certainly there were some fireworks, uh, you know, it was chippy as it always is. But just in terms of the tactical battle, you could feel it was two tired teams, two teams that, you know, had played each other so hard on Thursday. And, and again, there was just no space to be had. So I go for a five in terms of that, but it was still a very entertaining game. It was really one where Cavalry started very brightly, as we saw with the the early goal. And from there it was all Pacific. It was just you know, chance after chance after chance. And almost in a throwback to, to 2022, they just couldn't get anything to go. And eventually they did get their goal. It was a, a bit of a fortunate bounce, one that, uh, you know, Josh Hurd had knew nothing of, and it hit, definitely hit his back and went in. I, I don't know if Opta's changed, but you could see the deflection in the stadium. Uh, and then from there, it was just, could they get the winner? And, and ultimately the answer would be no. So it was one where Cavalry certainly very happy to get the road point. They made no secret about it. They're tired. There's a lot of injuries. It's one where the, the, you know they know they didn't play their best, but they got the points that they needed. And as for Pacifics, a bit of disappointment that, like last year, they weren't able to get a goal over the line. But they have to be encouraged that they did get into the good areas. It was just more moments. It was players hesitating. It's the sort of stuff that can be fixed over time. It's not sitting there and looking like, oh, there's a fundamental issue with that attack yet. Yeah, I think you did really good, a good job there. And the five, I watched it really closely as well. And um, just disappointing to see a team's two teams just so tired. Mm. <laughs> There's just so many ch- chopping and changing, no co- cohesiveness. Players making their debut, different systems, different changes. Uh, there was a little bit of a little bit of edginess to it. Mm. Players trying to go down and get one over the other, which we never love to see. But anyway, there was some real standouts there. So let's hear what what you think on that one. Uh, time for your greats. Which player stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll start with the host. Uh, there was two. It was one where they were really split on my man of the match. I know uh, Iman Salouf ended up getting uh, the Gatorade performance of the match. He was phenomenal. He just looked so tricky. Uh, it was funny enough, it was, Jamar Dixon was sitting in the press box with us. And he, he early in the game, he's like, watch Iman. He's been really, really impressing in training. And I mean, he showed why. He was just so fearless. And, and it's something where you look at him, that looks like someone who could be one of the best 1v1 players in the league just in terms of technical skill. Like, it's chops, it's dribbles. It's not, you know, going out there and beating anyone with speed. It's just pure creativity. Two feet, too. Exactly. And you love to see that because, you know, there's that's, that's old school in a sense, right? Like, players these days are taught, run to the byline, be efficient. He's just there, like... He definitely has, he's going to have five-star skill moves if he ever gets into to FIFA, you know, one day, hopefully, fingers crossed. And then the other player that I thought was really good as well, and he, I ended up giving him my man of the match just because I felt he controlled the tempo, was Sean Young. I think he's someone where he's been phenomenal to start the year. Uh, we've always seen the flashes from Sean Young, and it feels like he's really starting to put it together now at 22, and that's scary. Like six foot four midfielders like him, are, they're a rare breed, and just watching the way he was fizzing the ball around with both feet, tackling, just you know, being an overall sort of tempo-setting midfielder. Look, we, we were saying it uh, up there, if he keeps playing like this, I don't know how long he's going to be sticking around just because yeah. that, that sort of profile doesn't come around often. And then on Cavalry's side, it was a bit of a tired game, and, and they'll admit it, but there were some very strong performances at the back. I think Dan Klomp really led the way and, and had another solid performance and, and helped his team weather the storm. And, I, you know, I think he'll want the goal back. I mean, I'll be at a deflection, so so hard to, to blame him on those. But I thought Marco Carducci made some huge stops and really just controlled the tempo of the game. There was a lot of moments where, you know, maybe a younger goalkeeper would have liked to rush and, and get his team out of pressure, but he always just calmed things down, ate an extra second or two on the ball, was just talking a lot. And I think sometimes that get understated in, in a performance like this. Yeah, well said. Uh, bounce back game for Marco. I don't, don't think was too happy with last week's performance specifically. And, you know, again, penalty shootout was a difficult one for both teams uh, until obviously the breakaway and the out of the ordinary with the clump miss and then obviously the 5-3 victory. Um, let's go back to Starlight Stadium and hear from one of those players that AGR mentioned. Here's Ayman Salute. Yeah, I think like you, you see it like right. I don't have the same size as Easton. <laughs> He's, I think, a little bit bigger than me. But <laughs> now nah, it's true. Like uh, I bring a different game to this team because I am a different player. You know, that's like how I played my whole life. And yeah, I just try to do the things like uh, the one v one, create chances 
in between lines, uh, make the runs, and then, yeah, work together with the big guys, you know. Good job of that. Quick one for you, HR. Salouf was one of the new players in this league. There's a few others kind of making their debut, different players getting their first starts. Anyone else quickly catch your eye? Yeah, I mean, uh, for in terms of Pacific, uh, there was a couple new faces. I think credit has to be given to Eric Lajeunesse at the back. He's super young, just 19, if I'm not mistaken. Played only one season at UBC before getting drafted. He's someone actually I saw last summer in League One BC for the Whitecaps, which is a bit forgotten. So he kind of has made that quick jump through the pipelines. And I thought he looked very composed. I mean, it helped have Amir Didic alongside him. But at 19, it's tough to go and play center back, especially against Cavalry. They're not going to shy away from leaving a little in, put a little pressure. We saw him slip in midweek. Maybe that was a bit of that inexperience. Uh, you know, Cavalry just going after him, but he he held his, his own in this game. And I thought Adonijah Reed also had some bright moments. I think it was something where at times the Pacific almost forgot that Reed is more of a guy who runs the channels and not a six foot seven, you know, behemoth yeah. like Easton Ongaro. And I think the moments where they found him in those channels, you're like, okay, you can be very uh, dangerous. So, so I have to be encouraged by that. And I guess uh, over on the flip side for, for Cavalry, I thought Udako Chima at the back was, again, very solid. Anytime that you go out and grind a defensive point, you have to look at the, the back four and the fact that Chima made his first start and looked very solid, very composed alongside uh, Dan Klomp. Credit has to be given to him for that. Yeah, he looked like he belonged, no doubt about it. Let's go back to Starlight Stadium here from the Gaffers. Let's hear from James Merriman after this 1-1 draw. I'm not worried about it whatsoever. Um, it, some of our players still haven't caught their rhythm in front of goal, and that comes. It takes games. So the positive is we're getting there. We're getting into the spaces that we want to get in. Um, in the second half, they, did, they really had a difficult time getting out of their own half. We were on top of them. We were good in transition. Um, we were showing our depth. We didn't have Pierre Lamoth. We didn't have Thomas Merjiguer. We didn't have Manu Aparicio. These are three very important players in our team, and we were still on the front foot and, and I think the, the better team today. So um, it shows, shows who we are and, and what we can do and what our potential is, and we take, take a lot of confidence um, from that. Cavalry last year, four wins, five draws, five losses. So just four away wins all last season, 20 goals conceded and only four, <clears throat> only four clean sheets in that, in, in that run. That was certainly on the mind of their gaffer. Here's Tommy Wilden Jr. Oh man, it was like a UFC fight, I think. Um, I think today we had to show a different side to us. The, the lads are tired, but you saw it with all the other CPL games too. You know, to play three games in a week is tough for anybody. And uh, to be on the road and all those against tough opponents, you know, uh, takes a lot out of lads mentally and physically. But, uh, you know, we, we had to suit up, show up and uh, show a different side to us. So for us last year, we lost these games on the road. So we're taking a point with us and uh, we'll, we'll take it back to Atco Field. Quick one for you to end, AGR. Cavalry, what do you like about them? It sounds like the Ali Moosey's removal at halftime was precautionary. Joe Mason returned. We talked a little bit there earlier this in the show about how everyone was tired this week and Tommy obviously mentioned it. A tough opening week for them when you think about it. Forge away, Pacific away, Pacific away. Are you overall, do you think they'll be satisfied with this? Yeah, I think it's something where you know, it's a tough bounce. I mean, you get the three-time and defending champions week one away. They're never easy to beat. You go midweek, you have to play a tough cup game against, you know, a team that gets up for the cup. And then, yeah, you finish off your week already with the depleted roster against one of the only other champion, well, the only other champion in, this, in the league and a team that always does well at home. So to leave with two points, you, you take that run. Always get your road points like Tommy Wielden Jr. mentions. I think uh, the big thing is now they head home. They've always been very good at Echo Field. Tommy mentioned that a lot in, in his post-game availability. And I think it's something where you look at some of the pieces they have up front, things are going to click there, especially if they get those guys healthy. I think the fact that Moosey was running probably what Tommy said is, you know, not at his best, half speed. That's why he was kind of taken off at halftime. He still had this marvelous assist where he just gets a half second of space and gets that going. Mikhail Kentave as well is shown in his, you know, early on this season, if you give him a minute, He's going to get things going. So really for, for Calvary, I think the, the one thing they'll look at is just can maybe they get a little more from midfield. If they can get Jesse Daly up and running, he's looked a bit, you know, maybe not up to the pace that you'd expect him to be at yet. Shamit Shom has also looked not fully, you know, 100% in terms of his game. I think once they get that together and connect their solid defense and with those solid moments of brilliant up, uh, brilliance up front, they should be back and, and flying at the, the typical Calvary rate very soon. 
You mentioned it. Cavalry finally get home for some home cooking. They take on Valor for their home opener this Sunday uh, and uh, this weekend. And Pacific, talk about home cooking. They haven't left yet. Everybody else has been flying around the country. They get to host Forge next. So uh, the schedule maker has been kind to them, at least to start the season off. AGR, we're always kind to you because you're kind to us. Thanks for this, man. Great work. And we'll speak to you next week. We appreciate you as ever. Uh, Let's take a look at the standings in the Canadian Premier League through just two games. Obviously, they're very, very short in terms of what we've got to look for in that and we'll get to that in a second but we go look at let's have a look at the schedule board uh in terms of next week in terms of what we got look ahead already uh we can see here that already look at the games coming thick and fast two games on saturday two games on sunday halifax take on vancouver three o'clock local time and then obviously atletico ottawa take on york united at five o'clock eastern two double headers there and the weekend then the tony bat match of the week is the opener from halifax what a great crowd that's going to be cavalry take on bala in another great home open at three o'clock mountain time on sunday followed by pacific against uh, hamilton hamilton forge there on sunday as well uh before we end the show though it was a weekend to remember no doubt for vancouver football club let's head back to york line stadium for that with their first ever goal scorer as charlie o'connor clark was able to catch up with sean hundell charlie o'connor clark alongside sean hundell the first goal scorer in vancouver fc history how does that sound feels good uh, it feels good to be part of some history um feels good to to do that for the coach, for the team, for the city. Um, yeah, it's exciting times. Talk me through the play really quickly. You just kind of spot that sort of sloppy pass out of the back and you just kind of jump on it immediately, right? Yeah, I've seen Mo had the ball. I know he likes dribbling. I've known him for a while. I mean, probably like well, close to 10 years now almost. Played, start, started my professional career with him. And uh, I know he likes to dribble, but I know it's hard to get the ball off him. And mm-hmm. I, I think I just got, he just, he did the wrong step and I took advantage of it, so. Uh, you guys scored a second one in that first half, and then you hold on for the first win in club history as well. That's got to be another good feeling, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, last 15, 20 minutes, uh, they've had some pressure on us, but uh, props to our defenders. I mean, they had a solid game, especially in the last 20, 25 minutes, and just stay strong and not let anything in. Callum made some big saves and caught the ball at the right time, managed the aim, and yeah, it's good. Uh, a little ironic, you guys are a Vancouver club, but the first goal comes here at York, and you, uh, a Brampton boy, scores that yeah. first goal. Yeah. Um, that's got to be kind of cool for you. Yeah, uh, my whole career, ever since I left Toronto FC, uh, Miami coming back, I've always did good when I'm coming home. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I felt, felt the energy was different. I, I knew a goal was coming, and I was happy to finally play a striker instead of the right wing and mm-hmm. got back to my normal position, and I feel like I, I could do well. So. Just lastly, Sean, you guys are on the road in Halifax mm-hmm. next weekend. Now that you've got that first win out of the way, uh, pressure's off? Yeah, I mean, pressure's off, but sometimes pressure's good. Uh, I think going to Halifax can be tough, obviously, with the fan base they have and stuff, but... I'm, I'm full, fully confident in the coach, the coaching staff, team, everyone. Everyone's on high spirits right now, and I think we can take advantage of going on a little roll. So, Awesome. Sean yeah. Hundle, thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations to Sean Hundle and, of course, Vancouver Football Club in a historic week. Valor FC atop of the Canadian Premier League with a goal difference of two, four points already. Uh, Pacific FC, the only other team unbeaten so far. Sorry, not unbeaten, but with four points already. Vancouver Football Club on three. And then we have four clubs, Cavalry, Forge, Halifax and Atletico Ottawa, all unbeaten on two points after two draws in the inside the first two weeks of the CPL season. York United currently bottom with no points, but you know already four clubs just above them, only two points ahead. Uh, York United don't have a win yet or any points because of Vancouver Football Club. It is their week, and here's what it looked like and sounded as we close out the CPL Newsroom brought to you and presented by Volkswagen. Have a good week.